Okay, this is the Immigrant Hustle Podcast. I am your boy, B-Magic. As always, I got my brother, Noise, with me. And this week, we are making the best out of our COVID situation and reaching out to a guest that we've been following for a minute uh, from the West Coast. Uh, I know he's been a few places before that, but currently based out of BC. Uh, we want to welcome to our show, uh, Bavik Makan, also known as the Skinny Local. Thanks so much for, for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah man, so- th- this uh, this actually ended up starting off on Twitter. So, you know, they can't say that good <laughs> things don't come from your Twitter conversations. This is true. My fiance, I actually met her on Twitter. That's a true story. <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, my wife DM'd me, so, you know, it's, wow. uh, this, is, this is the world we live in now. <laughs> this is it. No, but we'd uh, we'd uh, like to thank you for sitting down with us during uh, you know such times like the quarantine. Uh, how uh, how's the quarantine been affecting you, and how are you dealing with it? Um, I think I've been very productive. Like I'm I'm getting a lot of work done. I think the issue I'm facing is more uh, on the creative end of it, where I'm not getting that much inspiration than I than I used to when. I used to create things because I'm used to just being outside, people watching, just being in a cafe and, and getting work done. I actually produce all my music in, in Starbucks. So it's been really weird being at home and um, not finding that that creative spark, but still, still making stuff, if that makes sense. Yeah, I can, uh, I can definitely relate with that. Yeah. yeah, I feel you on that. I'm kind of in the same, the same mode. Like, a lot of inspiration i get is like if i go to a show or you know watch a performer and just kind of taking that energy and allowing that to to push forward what i do uh, but now without that it's kind of you know you got to find ways to be inspired you got to look for inspiration in other places um yeah so i'll have certain spurts where i'm just like making beats nonstop for like a week but then after that it's kind of like it just dies down or like i'm exactly. writing rhymes a lot for a few days yeah so it, like it comes and goes it's in waves for me it's funny, man. Like I, I realized how much like my commute to work make like that is the main time for me to like take in projects or even just being at work, like taking in my favorite podcast or or listening to a new album that dropped or even revisiting like an old favorite album, right? And it's like yeah. now that I have all the time in the world to do that, like yeah, I still do it certain days, but it's like it's a, it, it became part of my like daily routine with work, right? So it, it's it's yeah. kind of funny how. Uh, how like your everyday just being out there in the world, like the inspiration that you need to kind of create, you kind of you kind of don't have it during the, these times right now. Yeah, it's like you're. We have like a schedule. There's almost a schedule that existed, and we didn't know it was a schedule. <laughs> and yeah. now it's like you're completely free, and now you have to sort of make time for specific things. And and it's like information overload as well. There's just so much content just coming at once that it's so hard to be like oh i'm gonna take time like an hour out today to just listen to this new album or make this new thing yeah it's it's pretty wild yeah i, I kind of find with the overload like there's so many things i want to listen to or watch but then when you have the time you end up not getting to any of it do you ever experience yeah. that it's like there's too yeah. much so it's like i'm just gonna not do anything yeah it's it's wild out there <laughs> <laughs> But um, yeah, so we're we're gonna dive into a little bit of uh, your timeline, your family's timeline, 
Uh, and also touch upon your involvement in music and in film. But as we like to do on this show, we're going to take it back to the very beginning. Uh, where were you born and where did your, your family originate from? So I was born in Durban, South Africa in 1991. Um, it was actually during apartheid. So this was, I think, two years before Mandela came into power. So it was still underneath uh, the white government. And uh, so my dad, he's uh, fourth gen south african indian so his great great grandfather came from india to south africa um and then there's a lot of gujaratis now living in south africa so um yeah that's where my dad's from and then my mom is from india she was born in mumbai and my dad met my mom in india when he was studying uh, to be a doctor he went to med school in india uh because it was very tough back then to be to um further education during apartheid so he had to go out of that country to to sort of to do all of that and then when he came back that's when apartheid ended and yeah it was a crazy time so i was i was born under apartheid and so was my brother so he was born in 1993 and yeah I, my childhood was in south africa i i lived there till 2001 so i was like 10 years old uh, mm -hmm. when i came to canada uh, like, what are your, some of your, like, er, earliest memories of the household and just your surroundings uh, growing up in South Africa? It's crazy. So every few nights I have, like, this specific dream, and it's just walking through my old house in South Africa. And I don't know, it was, it was great and also not that great because I lived, um, like, my house was surrounded by like barbed wires and electric gates uh, there's a lot of crime um during the 90s in south africa and uh all of that really sucked because i think i just realized how important safety is only when i came to canada but like when i was growing up as a kid i was like oh this is totally normal all houses have barbed wire uh, we had a fake dog sign I don't know why we just couldn't get a real dog. <laughs> and um, they, yeah, we had all the security set up. But then I also remember like the good times where, uh, you know, I just go out in my garden and I'd see like baboons and I'd see like random animals and a chameleon. And there's all these really cool things that I don't think like a lot of people um, see every day. And I never knew that when I lived in Africa because I'm like, oh, this is this is what everyone goes through. They all see animals. So there's this balance, but I'm always, I think every time I like dream of my, my home, it's always like, it just brings me back to this specific point in my life that was great, but also not that great. Um, but also very unique. So I, I always like to hold that, hold on to that. Uh, were you, I know you're very young at the time, but were you kind of privy or aware of kind of the the political climate at the time kind of before versus after apartheid not at all um i i learned a lot about it actually when i came to canada and so yeah i, I guess i was sort of um i i went to like this uh, a catholic school and you know we just learned the the same things that like everyone else learns like european history so it's just everything's like these textbooks that that are old and uh, they might have been like a chapter or two about what's going on but none of it was like really talked about um and i only found out later that the 
the class that I was in was one of the first classes to include mixed race kids. Like we could all be oh, wow. in one class. Wow. And, and that, I think it it was like two a year or two after they like they allowed it. So I had no idea. I was like, oh, this is totally normal. Like we have um, African uh, kids, we have Indian kids, whites, and then um, they they would call them colored kids. They're they're mixed race. Um, so we were all be like hanging out, and then I come to Canada and then learn about more about South African history because of the internet. I was just curious, and then I just blew my mind. I was like, holy shit! Like this is. My kindergarten was like the first time uh, they had mixed race kids. And these teachers would be the, uh, you know, that'll be their first time teaching <laughs> all these different races of kids. And it, that was just unbelievable. Did you ever have conversations with your dad about that? Like with him growing up in segregated schooling compared to how, how you were raised? Yeah. Um, later on, like when I was a teenager, we I talked to my dad a lot about you know, what life was like. And yeah, we never really talked about it uh, when I was a kid. It, it just sort of all came up later when I started, you know, just asking questions. And yeah, he had really interesting stories. Um, and then his, his, my grandfather has like the craziest stories that he's told me, but there, there's just too many. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it was very interesting because it's, it's coming from one perspective too, because uh, when, when everyone was segregated, like, the the horrible treatment were ha was happening to the black population in South Africa. So when you, if you're Indian, you were like in this middle area, like you weren't looked up uh, to as just like like white people, like white people were on the top. And then we were just sort of like in this weird middle ground where, you know, there was so much racism towards the African community from the Indian community. And then there was all this racism from the white community to the Indian community. And it, it was just this really um, interesting thing just to see, like, from their perspective, because uh, it's, it's just, like, unheard of. It's, like, it still blows my mind to this day just even talking about it. But, yeah, and that's the, the, this whole thing where um, when Gandhi came to, to South Africa and then all these, like, all these people were just racist, including Indians and including um Gandhi when he was there like mm -hmm. and all of this sort of you know um has been put on the side but it still exists to this day like there's Indians in South Africa that are very racist towards uh black people and then there's white people that are just very racist to Indians and blacks and it's it's just it's something that's going to take a long time to change I think um it's like it only ended in the 90s and that's still pretty recent. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's going to be a while. Yeah. Yeah. In the Indians have been very like prominent throughout the whole continent of Africa, I feel like. Uh, and uh, it, it's, it's weird because they are kind of in that middle ground. They're not like when, when people say colored people, it tends to just be blacks and Browns are just kind of in this, in, in this gray area. Right. Yeah, and um yeah. It, it, it's funny because it, well it's not funny but it's it's weird that it's that indians still manage to be so successful within the continent of africa because i feel like as the generations go they are in the middle to upper class mm -hmm. i yeah. don't know if you if you if you if you've seen that growing up or just noticing now or like uh why do you think that is yeah in in south africa specifically it's it's more of like a, 
there's there's this racial system and then there's also like this class thing and there there's a lot of like indians in south africa do that do live um in very poor conditions um because they've just been there for so long that you know it the system sort of just came in and it it messes things up so for the most part there are a lot of like uh upper class indians that do live in africa and they still live there till this day and a lot of the times if you ask them why uh, they will say, yeah, the money, they have businesses, they're, they're yeah. doing well. Um, there's no reason to leave. And when, the, like the same thing with my dad, like he had the opportunity to, to be a doctor in South Africa, the money would have been very good. Um, he had, you know, just graduated uh, from, med, from med school. But then with the crime and just the safety, like we really want, he really wanted us to be in like a, a safe environment and there's no no amount of money that can replace like a life so when he came to canada you know he had to start over and do the whole thing again um so yeah it's just i think it's just been so long that that's why there's just so many different classes of indians that live in africa but yeah there's a lot of rich a lot of rich indians living in africa till this day and yeah um, when when your family um, moved to Canada, what were the circumstances and where in Canada did you first land? My mom, she learned how to send emails <laughs> back in like the year okay. 2000. And she would like ask my uh, my uh, my uncle, who was pretty well versed in like computers at the time. And he just taught her everything when it comes to emailing, because he's like, this is what people are using. And you will get your uncle was on the way faster. early, <laughs> dude. He, he he's like next level, and he had like his DVDs. You know, <laughs> things are crazy. <laughs> um, and we, yeah, she she learned how to use emails, and she would be communicating with uh, the medical board here in in um, in Canada on my dad's behalf because he was just like always at work, so he didn't have time to like learn technology. So my mom just like learned how to do emails, and we were getting like answers instantly <laughs> so she would message um uh job offerings in manitoba and then she'd be like all right what the hell is manitoba type it in google and then it's like minus 45 <laughs> degrees celsius so she's like okay maybe not that one let's go to this other one and we had no idea like we were playing um like our choices was new zealand canada and australia and uh I really wanted to go to New Zealand because um, that movie came out, uh, Kohona Piare with Rithik Roshan, and he's like in New Zealand, and he's like <laughs> this cool guy. So I really wanted to go there. Um, but then I think uh, we had a job offering in Saskatchewan and then in Newfoundland, and we had honestly no idea what the differences were between the two. They were both cold as hell. Uh, they both had shitty weather, and they also both seemed very isolated. So like... We were just rolling the like you know flipping the coin at this point, and we went to Newfoundland. I think we we picked Newfoundland because I don't know. I should ask. I should ask my parents why Newfoundland <laughs> was picked. But they, they, to they be probably honest, just they probably just did a quick little <laughs> Google search and uh, you know saw some beautiful uh, some did. beautiful places by the water. And uh, no, Newfoundland yeah. is a it, it is a beautiful, beautiful. place. So they changed, my mom changed the computer background to a picture of the place we were going to move to in Newfoundland. And okay. the, it's beautiful. There's icebergs and there's these houses. And um, 
I, I was scared. I was like, where are we going? Is this like a village? And my mom's like, oh, no, don't worry. Like, you know, a lot of doctors go there and, you know, their kids go to the school. So I'm like, okay, so maybe there's like other doctor kids or brown people or something uh, that I can lash myself onto. And then when we get there, I was like, you lied. <laughs> there's no one here. <laughs> this is just literally 100% white people. Like 100%. There's not even one kid except my brother that looks like me. Like, where where have you taken me? And then they're like, yeah, no, you'll get used to it. Don't worry about it. And then they're like, yeah, you start school in four days. I'm like, I still have jet lag from South Africa. And we're in this, like, white town. And, yeah, it, that was just... That was just weird, but I'm really glad that we picked that place because it, it, it was just such an interesting experience that I, I would not trade for anything else ever. Yeah. Yeah, so it was a pretty big culture shock then to, to go to Huge. Newfoundland. Yeah. Huge. Yeah. Yeah. What were, what were like, uh, like, Kids always remember that anxiety of being in class for the first time, like, you know, your first day of school and, or like moving to a new school and stuff like that. There, there's a certain anxiety of first days, right? So what was that first day like? Dude, it was so fun. Okay, <laughs> I, I, I walked into the class and I think it was fall. It was September. No, um, November. So it was one month after 9-11. So I'm already like shitting it because I'm like, dude, this is the timing is not good. And I'm here as this outsider brown guy. And um, I walked into the school. I was escorted by a teacher who was really nice. And she's like, all right, class, everyone stand up. Here's this. New, here's the new kid. And his name is uh, Bavik or Bavik. They called me Bavik. Um, and everyone had to introduce themselves and say what their favorite like sport or hobby was. And I'm just standing there like shaking, like absolutely shaking because everyone is white. And I'm trying to like look for someone that kind of looks like me or, and my accent's different too. Like I have a South African, a thick South African accent at this point. And all these guys, I don't know if you've heard the Newfoundland accent, it's not even English. Like it is so, and like, and this is a uh, this is a town. So this is not like St. John's. This is the rural part of Newfoundland, and they're speaking, and I don't understand a word. Uh, one girl's talking about like her favorite hobby is is figure skating, and I thought she said finger skating. So I thought she liked. Like you know those tech decks, like the oh, skateboard the finger things, yeah, like yeah. finger yeah fingerboards. So I was like, wow, there's a <laughs> lot of kids here that love fingerboarding like that's cool like i have a few tech decks at home maybe you could like play some uh fingerboarding during recess and then uh yeah everyone was like really nice like the the kid behind me was talking to me he's like oh where's you from bye and i'm just like oh i'm from i'm from south africa and they're like oh you that that's sick that's sick and they're just genuinely so excited about me being there um and I had to act in like a Remembrance Day play a few days later. So I was really like thrown into this whole Canadian culture. Like one minute I'm in Africa and the next minute I'm acting as a Canadian troupe. And, <laughs> and this is all within like a four day span. Um, <laughs> it was weird. And then it, it was just so funny that I was like this one brown guy in the Remembrance Day like like thing. Um, 
they were doing diversity way back, I guess. <laughs> That's good. Good on them. Um, I, was, I, but I thought no, you were going to was... take the story another way. I thought you were going to say they had you act in like this battle reenactment and like you were the enemy because you're the only guy. <laughs> the one guy. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, no, it, they were very, it was very good. Um, everyone welcomed, like, welcomed me and my family with open arms. Um, and I, I guess I was very lucky. In, in that sense, like I obviously inside, like I didn't feel like I fit in. I had to change my accent, obviously, to like want to adapt and be like the other kids. And, uh, you know, there's so many questions and a lot of it just comes from ignorance. And at the time, not everyone had the Internet, too. So um, I think it was just me. I was just trying to like educate and talk. And like that year, my mom uh, taught the class about Diwali like they called my mom in to talk about Diwali and you know what the tradition's about it was very interesting I think all of us started learning new things like I was learning my family was learning and then the people of the community were also learning about us and yeah that that, that stuff was was incredible that that's uh that's actually amazing because uh you know a lot of the time it could be the opposite thing right yeah, where they don't yeah. want to learn but that, but it sounds like every you were you were welcomed with uh open arms and your family was as well out there um uh how important because obviously it's still a transformation even though people can be welcoming and and you're thrown right into canadian culture it's still something different something that you 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 may not understand right away that that'll take time right but how important of a role did your brother play and your parents play in that time of transformation? We, my brother, he was very young when we came to Newfoundland. I think he was like five or six. Mm -hmm. um, I think we were all just learning and like, it was really nice to have like my family there because they were my only family, like my grandparents and everyone were still in South Africa. And we're like the only people to have ever come to Canada. So I think we just the, the comfort of knowing that we were all learning together was really good. Like my dad was learning something new every day. My mom was learning something new. And it would be like the silliest things too. like I remember we were driving, uh, looking for I think I wanted a Game Boy, like, really bad. Like, I just wanted a Game Boy. And my dad's like, all right, like, only if you could share with your brother. And we didn't know where to buy a Game Boy. And someone's like, there's a place called Walmart. And we're just like, what the hell's a Walmart? Like, do they sell walls? So we thought it was, like, a department store. And we didn't go. <laughs> like, it was just, like, things like that. Or, like, we going past a gas station. And in South Africa, we'd call it a petrol station. And... We we always associated the word gas with like farting, so every time we walked by <laughs> or drove by a gas station, my, me and my dad would just crack up and we think like, wow, these Canadians are stupid. Why are they talking about like <laughs> like farting? So I think it was just that comfort of growing together that um, made it a lot easier. Uh, my brother, he is a lot different. Is is he's really different from me um, in terms of like I, his identity and uh, just and I think that just comes down to him being very Canadian uh, because he moved when he was like five and I, I was like 10 or 11. So I was sort of in the middle somewhere. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's kind of hard to have an identity crisis at age five. So uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't blame uh, him on being Canadian. Yeah. It's he's, he's yeah. He just ended up being so uh, a lot different for me, but we've been learning from each other and 
like I said, it's just like these perspectives. Um, you know, my mom is a, a hockey mom uh, only because we lived in Newfoundland. Otherwise, I think things would have been totally different. Uh, at, at what point do you start getting involved in the arts? Like whether it's music or film, kind of what came first? And was that in, in Newfoundland when you started to explore some of that? Yeah, um, we used to make like short action videos. And this is when YouTube just launched. So this is 2005, I think. Yeah. And we did, we would just do it for fun. It was just me and some friends. And I remember seeing like this little short film that uh, my brother was in, like he was acting in it uh, with his buddy. Uh, and I was just blown away. I, it was so ridiculous and funny and it was a total inside joke and I just love the feeling that it got and when I had moved to Calgary so this is maybe in 2006 and 7 uh is when I just wanted to continue doing that with my brother so he learned a lot about like VFX and green screening um watched like tons of tutorials and then we we got like this HD camera from Best Buy it was an open box $400 camera and this is in 2009 and we, I think that's when we started like wanting to do it a lot more. And I think at that point is when I really wanted to explore the arts. And more specifically, uh, when I had come to Calgary, that was the first time I had been introduced to Indian people again, like after 10 years. But at this point, I'm really white. Like I grew up in Newfoundland and I had a Newfoundland accent. But when I would uh, visit, like, our community event, uh, community events, I was so blown away by, like, all these things that I just really want to get involved with my own community and then also bring the arts to that. And I think that's where it all sort of got, you know, inspired from, just kind of being back to, you know, my my original self in a way. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like you were deprived from it for so long that, now that you were thrown back into it, there was a part of you that maybe wanted to, to document it and preserve it too. Exactly. Yeah. What was, were some of the uh, the factors from the move to Newfoundland to, to Calgary? My my parents really wanted to be with the Indian community. Um, we we lived in a very small town, so St. John's was like the only community that had um, I think a couple hundred Indian families at the time. So, but St. John's was like five and a half hours away and we would only drive down like maybe once a month. Um, and the weather was always bad. So driving on the highway, we would sort of avoid it. And I guess it was just sort of my, my dad really wanted to be part of like the Indian community again. He really missed it because he didn't fit. He also did not fit in completely in Newfoundland. And the same thing with my mom, like they learned a lot. They grew a lot from living there but I think at the end of the day like you just want to be with you know people that understand you even on like a just like a old traditional sense like going to a Diwali festival or just uh participating in the holy or something that can like bring <laughs> bring us together um and we never really had that out there um so they they heard about and Calgary at the time was like the the booming oil city so uh, I guess that's why we. I guess that's why we picked it. With with the arts as well, was that something that your your brother got involved in, or that yeah. you kind of got him involved into it? 
my I think my brother and I started at the same time with like the videos in Newfoundland. Um, and then my brother was more like the techie guy. So he would learn more about cameras and, you know, editing software, VFX. He was really into that stuff. And I was really into like the creative aspect. Like uh, I used to do a lot of improv acting. Um, and then from there, I just wanted to be like behind the camera. So I tried directing and then I would I would direct with him. Uh, we just work really well together because he does have a different mind than me, but we're also like we have like the same instincts. I think it's like some brother shit. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what was your first taste of like? Yeah, we all have our passions, and we do it. We do it for fun, and we do it because we love it. But then also, as you said, this is the era where YouTube is is really taken off. People have really become like YouTube stars and stuff like that. What was your first little taste of, holy shit, like people are watching our videos, like other than just like your friend circle, because it, it starts with that, but then it grows into like a much bigger thing. How was that for you? <laughs> I just remember seeing like a lot of Daisy YouTubers and I got so excited. I was like, yo, there's other brown people doing things on the internet. <laughs> and it didn't matter if it was bad or good. It was just like, yo, they're doing stuff and that's awesome and uh, I was like doing my bachelor's in science at the time I was trying to get into optometry school and I had a YouTube channel that was going on and we did this parody video it was stupid um, of like paranormal activity and we did like this Indian version of it and we put that up and it blew up because this was in 2009 and this is when like there, there weren't that many brown YouTubers um, but there was also like pop culture like paranormal activity the movie came out and that video had blown up and it turned into like a web series and then it just sort of that momentum kept going and i realized like there's this whole world out there that's like untapped and it was just i think that's when the conflict started to happen between like me wanting to do art forever or stick with my like science program that's happening and I'm like doing really bad in in one in uh in school and then my YouTube stuff was doing really good so I was like yeah it was it was weird 2009 was weird <laughs> <laughs> yeah can, can you can you talk a little bit about that 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 internal conflict like how did that play out are you still doing the optometry thing or is it music full-time art full-time it was very I think what had happened was when I was in high school, I just kept doing like sciencey things. And I, I just thought to just be a doctor like that. It wasn't even like a conversation. It was just a given because my dad's a doctor and I had no other like I didn't like play the guitar that much or I never really thought of the arts to be a, a thing, um, especially if something to make like money out of. And I never thought I was like an artistic person, I don't think. Um I went into the science program and I was in it for like six years because I was just doing so bad and I kept failing and like um, repeating classes again. And on my seventh year, I think that's when I decided I was applying for the optometry entrance exam, actually. And then I, I hit cancel on the application form. And I just like came out and I told my mom, I'm like, I don't think I can do this. And I'm going to switch to business, uh, something mm. that's more in line with like, you know, my film stuff, 
which was doing really well at the time. So I really wanted to bring that together. And I think it was at that moment, so that, that might have been 2014, was when I my brain made that switch to to go over. Yeah. And I guess what was the uh, the response from your family to, to, to make that switch? <laughs> they were okay so they were disappointed only because they were like why did you wait so long <laughs> like seven years and now you're like now you're saying this they're like we even told you you could have done like psychology and i was like yeah i don't know i i was it was just myself like doubting myself but also like they always just the idea of like going into business or law or medicine was so like ingrained into my head um that i think even they just sort of expected me to go that route as well um because even when we were making stuff it like they were like all right they they have like potential there's talent but maybe there's no money so maybe they should you know keep going uh to school for you know medicine or whatever but then over time when there was like some successes i guess it's so weird uh like an award or something <laughs> that's when the idea started opening up that like okay maybe these guys if they put 100 like if my kids put 100 percent into it they would be better and good so yeah that's uh it was taken it was pretty tough really tough and it's still really tough just because it's a conversation that i i do have with my parents a lot that you know, this is such a long process and it's horrifying and, and stressful and there's horrible days, but my brain just automatically keeps going to, the, to that. So I, I can't see another, I don't see another life without it. Like, I think I just crumble. Yeah. Uh, when does uh, music come into your life? And was that, un- like, like you said, you started with, with, with directing and stuff like that and making short films and that must have been a process to figure out to like you know figure out all the aspects because these are two arts that you're forever learning in right so how was it to be like okay now i want to i want to produce music and it's it's ultimately a completely different art but there's so much shit to fucking figure out. So how was that for you? Was it like, oh, uh, here we go again kind of thing? <laughs> I I think I just kept doing music. Like, I remember d- uh, downloading FL Studio in 2000, like 2008 or 2009 and just, like, playing with Nexus for hours. Just literally hitting one note on, like, the Nexus plugin and hearing sounds coming out, and I thought that was really cool. But I, I would just do it for fun. Started. Straight up, dude. This the, the two, I think it's called like the two the two finger like preset on Nexus. You just hit the one button and it has like <laughs> everything going. It's um, so funny. Me and Dusty were actually talking about uh, the the snaps. Remember, everybody had the Fruity Loop snaps on their yes. for a while. Yes, man, and I just love that process of of doing that. But I never thought I was any good, and I was never gonna put any of it out. Um, and, but I was always involved with like people making music and, um, my friend of mine, Nanak Sodi, he goes by like, uh, he goes by Soda Bang. He was making music, uh, back, way back. And I just remember being in his studio and like seeing how 
like it was all done. And I just love the process of, you know, someone coming over, recording in the closet because like we don't have a studio and like the mom's like yelling in the background and like, <laughs> stop it, mom, like gotta cut that out <laughs> using audacity and like little things like that. And I just love the process. But um, what happened? I don't even know when the switch happened. Like, I think uh, I just got a little bit more confident in my own music. I think a few vocal, I got some vocals from people and, I was like, oh shit, maybe the missing thing on this beat had always been vocals. And then when I heard it together, it's like, holy shit, this sounds like a song. Maybe this is something, you know? And then putting it out and getting feedback and just sort of, um, I think the initial, the the, uh, the reason why I loved doing it was I, I liked t- telling stories. And that's something that, you know, in film, you do it on a visual scale. But I, I thought that if I could bring storytelling to music, without like even lyrics that would be really cool so just building soundscapes and um you know uh, some organic sounds and feeling and the idea of creating uh, a world with music i thought was so similar to filmmaking that it just sort of happened very naturally that you know because of the intent i think the intent was the same both in in film and music that at the end of the day i just wanted to tell a story and whether that be on a visual thing or a sonic um, scale, that it, it it didn't matter. It just felt um, expressive. Yeah, your music is very eclectic. Like, it's hard to, to pin it to a genre. You have a lot of different elements you bring in. Like, there's old Bollywood samples in there. There's, like, trap. There's techno. There's, like, a lot of futuristic sounds. It's just, like, Dubstep. very... Yeah, I hear that in there for damn it's, sure. It's so varied. Like, where, where were you kind of? Uh, where do you draw some of your influences from? Like, some of these musics were they stuff that you've been listening to since you were younger, or just kind of new things you've explored? Um, in South Africa, I'm, I I usually just listen to Bollywood music because that's what my mom used to play, and the Thal soundtrack is like the best thing ever. Um, and when I heard that soundtrack, I remember playing it in the car at night, like in the 90s and there was a bass and to hear bass coming out of bollywood music in like the 90s was like what <laughs> there's this other thing and, and when i put the thal soundtrack in like there was bass um and then i moved to newfoundland and i gotta give it up to like there was a few like kind of racist white kids that used to make fun of me for listening to hip-hop like because i used to listen to a lot of hip-hop when i came to canada you know eminem 50 cent uh obi trice those guys and i would listen to it in my headphones but then um some of these like kids would make fun of me they're like oh you're not listening to real music man you gotta listen to like uh acdc and guns and roses <laughs> no they hated some 41 oh, <laughs> these guys these guys these guys are like no some 41 is too mainstream you gotta you gotta learn um <laughs> Oh, they listen to pink floyd for damn pink sure floyd. all of these guys so I was like, yeah, I listened to that stuff. And I went home and I downloaded all of these old rock songs and I put it on like a CD and I was just listening to it because I wanted to fit in and I hated it. I was just like, what is this? <laughs> I don't understand. But over time, I started to understand. I'm like, holy shit, I, there's something in this music that I have not like experienced before. And I keep coming back to it. And then from there, I started li- like listening to metal, Metallica and... Uh, like Lamb of God, all these like really hard metal bands, um, and then death metal, and then math metal, and then I was just a full blown metalhead 
uh, when I was 17. And then uh, I got back into hip-hop uh, around, like, 2011. No, 2009, I say, like, with Cuddy and, like, um, I loved 808s and, and Heartbreaks. Um, and I just got, like, drawn back into that world because now I'm living in Calgary and, you know, there's there's a lot more <laughs> music to, to explore and people. Um, so... I think I've just been influenced by all these things that when I want to express myself, I just keep going back to specific moments in my life to evoke some sort of, you know, nostalgia or, or memory. So if I'm feeling like I miss Linkin Park a lot and I really want to get that feeling as a kid listening to Linkin Park for the first time, um, I would get a guitar, I'd jam a few chords, and then I would place it down on this, like, kind of a Meteora-esque vibe and... I wouldn't even know I'm doing it. Like it's just, it just sort of happens, and then and then you would hear like some things popping in from here and there. But yeah, I think that's why it's it's so hard for me to even sit down and lock like put myself in a genre. I just wanted to I want to make music that just sort of brings out memories. When when does the transition occur from Calgary to Vancouver? Uh, that was in 2016. Um, I just graduated and I really wanted to pursue film and I just really loved Vancouver. Every time I visited Vancouver, I was just blown away by, by the city and I, yeah, I moved down, moved to Surrey and I was thrown into the, another world. <laughs> I could just, just end that Surrey sentence like a planet of its own. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta go to Surrey to really appreciate it. Okay. There's the, the culture shock was harder going from Calgary to Surrey than South Africa to Newfoundland. <laughs> 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 yeah, it was weird. But um, again, inspiring just because I had come in and um, there's a really cool scene going on in Surrey that I'm just like, I was so happy to be a part of and and see grow because it, it was so it's so new. It's still all so new for, for everyone that's in it. Um, and because Vancouver is so like separated from everything, like there's some kids in Burnaby, there's kids in Surrey and New West and then Vancouver, we're, we're all far apart, but everyone's doing really cool shit. But, and I think right now what everyone's trying to do is kind of bring all those, uh, these cities <laughs> together and, and create things. And yeah, there's a, I really love the community out, out here, um, in terms of like the vibes and, and it might be the weather. I think it's because of like this rainy weather. There's some aesthetic <laughs> that we all have. I don't know. Oh man, I get inspired as fuck every time I go out to BC. To be honest, man, like yo, we feel like a million bucks. No noise every time we come back. Like it, yeah. it, it is. That's why, like, we could never, we could never figure it out. Like our early times going, right? It was very like few people who were like dope at it or like we're like super creative or trying to do something totally different and trying to but still do it with putting our people on you know with a pure heart yeah. right and it was like we didn't see that in the early days coming but like that's the refreshing thing of of like like now it's like now you kind of see more of a camaraderie and you you do see more talented people in all sorts of fields and and it it that that's what bc deserves because look at that surrounding man like that that should inspire art every single day man 
Yeah, not does. even just yeah. not even just BC. Like we've been going out to the west since my first time was 2011, and that's Vancouver, that's Edmonton, that's Calgary. And every time we would go, there was more development every time. Like we would come across a new artist or a new organization that was doing things. Um, like I was just in Calgary uh, this past January for an event, and like they they did an event that sold out at the um, at the Music History Museum there, which was like incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, so can, can you kind of speak upon that? Like there's so many dope artists, like South Asian artists as well. Like you meant like you've worked with Cartel Madras from Calgary, uh, cats like Empower, Saint Soldier, Poet Niche from from Vancouver. Like what is kind of like how does it feel to be part of that scene and like on the ground floor to see it grow? And what is like what kind of brings that unity together? Honestly, like the 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 music that's even coming out of Calgary and the artists that are coming out, I had always been blown away by how different they sounded. Like they had a sound. Um, it wasn't like they sounded like everyone else within that community and they were always like open to explore and i think what made me so happy making music out here and i and i owe a lot of it uh, to just being out here um is being able to collaborate with with people who were open to do anything and they wanted to do anything as long as it expressed something like um evoked an emotion whether it be anger sadness happiness whatever it may be and when like for instance when i was working with uh poet niche i was like dude i'm gonna make your entire ep in five days but you gotta trust me that it's gonna be so fucking weird it's gonna be like the weirdest thing but are you down be you and be the weirdest you can be i remember sending him a beat and he's like dude this is not you you're you're trying to cater and i was like yeah i i was and he's like no change the beat and uh send it to me like tonight be you and i just was myself and i made this crazy thing that (laughs) i can't even fathom and i sent it back to him i'm like how are you going to flow on this he's like don't worry i got this and he just did it and we put it out and then it got playlisted on like on desi hip-hop on spotify and then we were like oh shit that that worked (laughs) like (laughs) we didn't know what was gonna happen and um and just having like an insane soldier and then cartel madras like they were just open to to doing something different and i think that's something that just inspires all of us like uh, like there's so many artists in vancouver in, and in calgary that are completely different from one another like i can't even say that calgary has a sound like if someone's like what's the calgary sound i think like someone might just be like country music like if that's the first thing you're gonna think <laughs> of like what's the calgary sound right but when you say like oh what's the toronto sound you can kind of get like a a gist um but then when you say calgary or vancouver it's like what, what is it <laughs> because there's so many people they're just they're just doing like outlier music <laughs> if that makes sense yeah you know yeah. what it is that the the toronto sound like as much as i like hate what like is considered <laughs> toronto sound these days like it comes yeah. from having a heavy hitter like the drake or having the yeah. weekend and or like the likes of navs in, from our city it's it creates 
it creates oh yo these guys fucking got got on and they're from our city let's just make music like that right so it's yeah. kind of like it kind of like it creates a sound for for the better or for the uh, the worse as well right because now you have a bunch of people imitating rather than rather than trying to be something genuine right but the the hopefully it should be is that they get inspired and then do their own way of creating that sound, right? Like that in a in a yeah. in a dream world, right? But I feel like that is the reason why the the likes of Calgary and BC haven't really created a sound yet. But that's kind of a good thing, you know, because mm-hmm. there will be something refreshing that comes out of there. Yeah, hundred percent. Manila Gray, like they've been killing it for for years out here in Vancouver, and like I just love that sound too. Like it's coming out from the West Coast and it's there's like these filipino vibes to it and i think that's something that really defines like you know canada or 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 bc for that instance and then uh you know punjabi hip-hop like when i when i'm talking to saint soldier and poet niche it's like yeah we're making hip-hop and yeah sometimes it's in punjabi but we can do anything right now because no one else if i make like a uh tomorrow if i make a, a a hard rock song um that's kind of like twangy but it's like in traditional punjabi that would be the first of its kind or something like (laughs) you we have that like that opportunity to explore in all these different things and and make our own like almost a punjabi west coast uh thing because there's so many out here i'm gujarati so i'm just gonna put my own gujarati stuff in there (laughs) but like it's (laughs) um it's cool We, we have so much to experiment on and so much of it has been like untapped yeah i think that's that you hit it on the head there but untapped it's like because there is no blueprint to follow it's you can do whatever the hell you want to do and people from the area they're kind of they're hungry and they're waiting for something to come out of that area and you know by just being genuine it's the best way to to create a culture within that city like a musical culture and to best Mm -hmm. reflect the people that live there and like we're kind of seeing it in in pockets like people look at toronto and they say yeah toronto sound but some of the pockets around toronto they're starting to like brampton for example like brampton brampton doesn't have a sound but there's so many dope artists that are coming out of here and they're just doing whatever the hell they want to do like we have punjabi rappers we have you know jazz singers we have mcs we have like spoken word artists it's just like it's it's that excitement by the fact that there's just an openness to do whatever it is you want to do yeah exactly I think uh, I think that pretty much covers everything we got today. I think noise. Yeah, I guess just last thing too. Like uh, just recently, you put out an album. Um, can you talk a little bit about that, and as well as how the the lockdown has kind of changed or forced you to adapt your your plan for the album? Yeah, I had produced most of the album last year and then i worked a bit on it when i went to india earlier this year and it was supposed to be like the way i wanted the album to play out was like i wanted to go at to my heaviest like something that i know i didn't expect too much out of but i didn't care if i nothing came out of it like it's, it's just something that i really wanted to make and put out there and um just have exist but I, I wanted to put it out in like a, a live format where, you know, because the album's so rock heavy, there's a lot of like um, guitars that are recorded, uh, recorded drums that I felt like 
I can't DJ that. It, it's weird. You, it, DJing rock music is weird. <laughs> and it, it can only be, it just needs to be performed. And uh, I really wanted to have a, a live performance to have the album come out. And of course, then the virus happened. And I, I had the option of obviously delaying it because, you know, I'm not like signed or anything. I just sort of, I manage everything myself. Um, and everyone was like, no, you shouldn't put it out now. You know, the industry is going to be like too saturated and you're just going to be buried under all the stuff. And But I'm like, I th- I think I would just be unhappy if I held on to it any longer. Um, and I didn't feel like it was mine anymore. I, I really wanted it to be something that's just everyone else's and I don't own it. Um, and having this feeling that alone would make me happy and then I could, you know, make new music is something that defines who I am right now so like that whole process has in making that album was it was very scattered and I I thought I wanted to show like all these um, like genres and influences but I, I also wanted the album to feel like it's one thing so it feels like it's all part of the same world even though each track is completely different from the other uh, and that's when the whole like radio idea came in where someone's just like tuning to different radio stations and then they're hearing um, different, you know, tracks uh, all together. Um, and yeah, it's just sort of like, a, I think it's more of like a one-off like project that I'm just happy to have just put out and um, kind of just want to move, try different things at this point. Like <laughs> I might be starting like a pop punk band next week, which I'm really excited <laughs> for. But like, it's just like me and uh, and uh, me and Saint Soldier are like, you yo, don't you miss making like listening to, like pop punk music? He's like, dude, I grew up on pop punk, and I'm like, oh shit, me too. You want to make some pop punk? And he's like, yeah, <laughs> all right, let's do it. That's, <laughs> nice, that's, nice. that's it. Yeah, 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 dope. So. Yeah, across continents, across provinces, across different art forms. Thanks for for coming on the show and sharing your story, man. Very much appreciated. Thank, yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, much love, man. Uh, we definitely thank you for taking time to speak. You know, we've had uh, we've had our interactions uh, online, but you know, I'm glad that we finally got to talk to you, and I and I hope that we get to collaborate in some shape or form in the future and uh yeah we'll be rooting for you uh from all the way over here in uh brampton thank you yeah let's uh let's make some brampton surrey music together oh yeah that's a dangerous <laughs> combo i don't know <laughs> unity <laughs> um but just before we wrap up we like to conclude every show uh, by giving everybody on the show an opportunity to just mention or share something that they're grateful for. Uh, it could be a person, it could be an object, just any type of energy that you want to honor today. I am grateful for my life in Canada uh, and my fiance. I think those two, that combination is beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> How, how is that working with uh, with this quarantine? Like, uh, did you have plans of getting married soon? Like, did it halt anything? We've been talking, um, but now it's like it's so uncertain because, like, let's just say we even like book a year or two from now. There's this like backlog of, <laughs> of weddings that are like supposed <laughs> to happen, and I think that changes everything. But yeah, because we got engaged last year. Um, so we're like, oh, yeah, I know, you know, two years from now. But now next year is 2021 and the virus is going on. So like, <laughs> we don't know. Things 
things every day just changes everything. It's like you have to re-strategize your whole life. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, congrats yeah. to you and your fiance. You know, the you. the new wave is going to be uh, Zoom weddings. I feel if this goes on longer. I'm, if someone invites me like Zoom or Google Hangouts after this whole thing, I am not like <laughs> clicking on that link. I'm deleting all like these apps. I'm done. <laughs> I'm gonna go hug some people. Like that's that's literally what I want. Shake a hand, you know, like hey bro, how's it going? Missed you. <laughs> Those jokes. Yeah. Yeah. Magic, what do you got? All right, what do I got? Well, all this talk about BC and the West Coast and, you know, talking about sounds. Um, I'd like to be to say thanks. And, and I have a lot of I'm really grateful for a lot of the pioneers in the Canadian hip hop scene. Um you know, that was, it was huge for us, even pre-Drake. You know, I know mm-hmm. I know a lot of these young kids don't realize that there was a scene here before uh, Drake blew this uh, whole country up. Uh, so, you know, the likes of, you know, Cardinal Official growing up, obviously it all started with Maestro Fresh West. But like, you know, I remember just being a kid and seeing this, the likes of Cardinal and the old time killing video and that being on yeah. like BT and yeah. uh Shockler Let's Ride being on 106 in Park like th- these were huge fucking steps for us and, and, and especially being young and just seeing seeing that happen before there was the the powerhouse of a Drake right and it's it it was it was dope. It was it was dope to see, and it was just it just made it possible. Like you know, it's like Canadians can be rap artists, you know, and 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 that goes all the way to to the West Coast and the Rascals and Swollen Members, and you know, shout out, you know, even for us, like you know, seeing a brown face like Ma- Mastermind, who was a pivotal pivotal person in in the Toronto scene. So it's like uh, it, it it's it's really dope to see how far we've come. But, you know, I know I missed tons of pioneers, but I'd be here forever talking about um, noise. Who are some of the people you remember? <laughs> Man, uh, from Toronto, cats like uh, Socrates. Yes, sir. On the West Coast, you had people like uh, Checkmate, Concise, yeah. DJ Kimo, like that, like that late 90s, early 2000s Canadian hip hop scene. Like I have a lot of fond nostalgia around that like me and my friend shane we would that like we just lived off that like that was that was huge as far as building what we have right now in in canada right as far as music infrastructure goes just like much music was such a cool like canadian thing too like you you don't even realize how much of that was all like most of it was canadian content um Mm -hmm. you just thought it was like oh there's something that's on the music channel and this is so good you realize all these bands like sum 41 canada billy talent canada cardinal official like all these guys (laughs) it's insane it's so funny when you said much music the only thing and you might be too young for this but like the only thing i remember too young i'm almost 30 (laughs) but noise you remember you remember fucking because I was young when this happened. Remember fucking Monica Diol, uh, oh, yeah, Electric, yeah. Circus Electric Circus on, yeah. on Much Music? That was just like, what the fuck? There's a Punjabi person on TV, and she ended up being like the host of a fucking like techno party. It was like <laughs> late at night. Yeah, just, yeah. Oh man, we gotta get Monica Diol on this show. Yo, yo, I swear to God, if we get Monica Diol, 
We might just have to end this podcast forever. <laughs> um, okay, just to just to wrap up, one thing that I, I'm grateful for is just trying trying new skills. Like last year, uh, I bought a camera from our homie Kare. She was selling one. I'm like, yo, let me buy one. Like it's always good just to have it. Like anytime we do studio sessions, we're like, oh, this would be cool just to document, just to just to kind of have it. Um, so now I'm just kind of like using the camera, just filming it just filming random things as I go and just having a lot of fun, like chopping up footage, uh, you know, learning more about photography, learning more about videography, how to edit uh, VFX and things like that and how to put it together to music and just having a lot of fun with it. And I think there's a lot of, you know, just excitement and there's less judgment, like internal judgment when you're trying something out and you're still kind of in the early stages of it because it's just you're just kind of so excited about by every small accomplishment it's like wow i finally know how to like you know shoot this thing in this way and it's like that's an accomplishment in itself whereas like with music i'm kind of you know i have more judgment and more expectations but with like photography and videography because i'm like still a baby in it i'm just like man every step that i take i'm like wow i actually did it you know so that that's like that's a really cool energy a really cool phase to be in and i just want to kind of exists within that for as long as I can and just not get jaded by it and just keep learning. That's super dope, man. There, there's a, there's a lot of truth in that. It's, it's, <laughs> you know, there's a, we are our biggest enemies, the better we become, become at anything. Right. Because it, mm-hmm. it is pressure mm-hmm. of once you've been told that you're good, you're like, Oh fuck, I'm good. All right. Yo, people's perception then becomes the matter. Right. Before it's like, Oh shit. I'm just, Oh, you're pretty much just doing it out of pure passion and pure, pure joy of just yeah. realizing you're getting better at something. Right. And, yeah. it, and it, it's funny. It's we should never lose that, but you do tend to lose it. The better you become at something. But that is ultimately what I feel like the people who become the best at their craft have a really good ability at just fucking shutting that out. Yeah, the growing part is like a lot of fun. Just like learning something new every single day that that just helps you um, like just get better and better and almost. And I think like with music, and that's where I am right now in music. It's like that that baby like initiation stage where I'm just like building and learning and learning and seeing, you know, just kind of wowing myself with each new uh skill that this uh, you know something to learn each day all right just before we before we wrap up where can people get in touch with you on social media uh twitter uh instagram at bovic mackin uh for my music it's at skinny local music on instagram yeah Dope, dope. Everybody go follow the homie, and I'm sure we'll be hearing from you soon, or seeing from you soon, and uh, well, yeah, brother, it's been fun, and this has been another episode of the Immigrant Hustle Podcast. Okay.